0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Interconnections of Race, Health, Education, and Climate. My name is Jason Toei, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining on today. Today we're interviewing Christy Drutman, the founder of Brown Girl Green. Christy is an environmental media host, speaker, activist, and digital media strategist. She's passionate about working at the Interconnections Um, between media, diversity, and environmentalism. Uh, As a youth climate activist, Christy has spoken in front of thousands, uh, as well as facilitate workshops centered around environmental media. Most recently, Christy was at and attended the COP26 climate meeting. Thank you for joining us today. And without further ado, um, welcome, Christy. But yeah, I guess just to start, uh, if you would mind just kind of giving me uh, and uh, future viewers uh, an intro of yourself, general background, and uh, yeah, kind of what you're currently doing now.
1: Yeah, so hi everyone. My name is Christy Drutman. I am currently located on the East Coast now um, from originally from California. Uh, I'm the host and founder of Brown Girl Green, which is a multimedia series that's centered around um, environmental justice, advocacy, and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. And a lot of my work is centered around um, using multimedia platforms Uh, to essentially educate people about the state of the climate crisis, but specifically using storytelling with an intersectional lens that uplifts the voices of Black, Indigenous, and people of color who have been neglected from the mainstream environmental conversation for a really long time now. And uh, I just really wanted to uh, create a platform where I could talk about these issues and educate people in real time um, in a way that could... Uh, be understandable and accessible to more people.
0: That's awesome. No, and I think uh, it's really cool kind of seeing basically, to be honest, uh, you know, younger, younger folks and, uh, and people of color actually in, in, this, uh, in this field uh, oftentimes, and I'm sure, you know, as well, it just seems that uh, it's not as, uh, it's not either as diverse by age or <laughs> ethnicity and gender, so uh, it's really great. I guess kind of just to touch, what were some of the experiences that kind of got you to actually want to uh, found, uh, you know, the company and kind of how'd you get there?
1: Yeah, so I went to UC Berkeley for undergrad and, uh, you know, I studied environmental policy and urban planning and, you know, that was in the classroom, but outside the classroom, I got involved in, you know, youth environmental activism, basically learning about, uh, fracking or hydraulic fracturing happening across the state of California and how it was impacting, you know, especially like the Latinx communities in, in Central California and just like all, all over the state essentially being impacted by uh, drilling and extraction. But then specifically when it came to climate change, typhoon high hit the Philippines uh, where my family's from. And that was when climate change just became a much more personal fight for me where I realized that There is a lot of communities, especially in the global South, uh, that are being impacted by the climate crisis and our leaders and uh, people producing media and companies in general are just not meeting the need and addressing the urgency of the issue at the rate that they need to be. Meanwhile, there's communities on the ground suffering due to that inaction. And so with all that being said, I, I saw both The fact that climate change in general was not being covered in a meaningful way, but also the fact that there wasn't any meaningful or significant representation of people who actually come from the communities being impacted by these issues, as well as just like not really much representation of Black, Indigenous and people of color, like in academia and in leadership and in and in environmental initiatives and companies who are actually like leading these solutions. And so I just feel like those gaps around racial equity and economic justice have become even more apparent as time has gone on. And so I wanted a platform that bridged those two things together to address those things simultane- simultaneously.
0: Now that, that's great to hear. And no, it's really interesting that you're, you, you've you worked to that and kind of, you know, like embracing two key things and actually bringing a voice to it. I feel like a lot of times in the lens we at least I can say a lot of times um, I've seen people kind of isolate things, you know, they might talk about just environmentalism or they might talk about social justice issues or equity issues, but rarely do they actually touch on merging them. And sometimes I, you know, I've seen and just people feel like, why are you focused on this and not that? And it's like, well, a lot of these actually things all do relate. And it's really key to uh, that you've been bringing yes. it together. And to be honest, that's kind of some of my goals. As I'm you know, doing this fellowship, but as long as I'm actually going on my career and doing my um, research as a whole, I guess I kind of, I kind of want to hear a little more um, as you've gone through this, what has been some of the, as it's, I know you, you're host and you educate, but you're also learning. So I guess what's been some of the uh, key things you've, uh, you've learned, you know, about this intersection between climate equity and uh, what are some of the stuff that, uh, the main things that you would like to present on it as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that like we always talk about climate justice or like creating a more equitable green world, but like the metrics for that vary so much based on a community, like it's so contextual. And I think even though like we love to have these like big goals and overarching dreams of like what a more sustainable and equitable society looks like that like it comes down to people, you know, like a human to human connection and relationship And that can't just be like, unfortunately, just measured in like a policy measure when it comes to like environmental protections. Of course, we can make the environment less dirty. We can ban dirty fossil fuels. We can make sure a community actually has green spaces and make sure that there's not more proposed projects to destroy the natural environment in certain communities. Right. Like those are tangible things that can be done to, like, alleviate harm. But then when it comes to implementing solutions about what does a community actually need to prioritize when it comes to environmental justice, whether that be, like, food security or clean water, clean air, et cetera, et cetera, of course, like, those basic needs need to be met. But then once those are met, like, how how are those communities going to be benefited, you know, economically by, like, actually creating those changes Really varies from community to community. And that gets a little bit more complicated as you get into the weeds of things because certain people may felt, feel left out. Like, you know, even grouping like Black, Indigenous, and people of color, like grouping all of us together in some ways is irresponsible in talking about environmental justice because the Black community is going to need certain things. Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders are going to need certain things. And so it, it has become a little bit more difficult as time has gone on. And I've interviewed more people, especially people of color who are in this field, that of course, like at the end of the day, like racial inequity is a really huge issue in this field. But when we break it down and actually understand like the needs of different populations, that's when things get more tricky and complicated. And that's why I guess diversity inclusion is not like just lip service of like, oh, we need to bring more black and brown people in the room. It's actually like we need different types of those people, if that makes sense, because there needs to be like conversations and debate and even disagreement about like, how are resources going to be allocated and which communities are going to be prioritized and what does that look like? And unfortunately, because we have such a standstill of like politicians even thinking climate change is even real, like we're like at 5% of a level to even talk about what climate solutions are gonna even look like, you know what I mean? Because once we actually get to that level of like redistribution of resources and making that happen, we're, we're not even at that point yet because we don't even have an allocation of resources to even go to any of these groups. So I just am trying to explain that like, we are asking and almost begging for the bare minimum from our politicians and from like company leaders to even pull their resources together to care about these things. And unfortunately, like the scale of the problem is going to require so much more than that. It's
0: complete sense. Uh, now, <laughs> partly is, uh, you know, a lot of the like, so a lot of things you've done and kind of that, that discussion is things that I'm like so trying to tackle or start thinking about now. I think yeah. the point you brought up about we lump all of these different ethnic groups in the same yeah. category and say, oh, yeah, their outcomes will be the same. It's just yeah, uh,
1: that's oh, true.
0: It's very ridiculous. I can even just speak on, uh, touching on a few days ago in um, a class I have that's uh, related to race and equity um, in regards Mm -hmm. to energy. And, you know, even as we were going through looking at different communities that would experience different health impacts, whether it's risk to asthma or other Mm -hmm. health impacts, whether it's risk to extreme heat deaths and other things, Mm -hmm. those were differing between groups, whether it was African-Americans or Hispanics or Asians in the different groups. And it was really poignant to actually know that due to different individuals, cultures, livelihoods, you know, exposures that, you know, each group and community is not the same. And that, you know, as we are doing these, uh, these benefits and impacts, uh, we really have to keep that in mind.
1: Yeah. And I want to just add something to that. Like, again, like I only represent one particular perspective too. Like I try so hard to not just like, be the voice of everyone, you know, because I'm not Black, I'm not Indigenous, I'm not Latinx, you know, I represent my own cultural identities as being Filipino-American, Jewish-American, Japanese-Chinese, my whole mix, you know, all these things, like, those are the communities I represent, but it's, like, you know, obviously, I'm trying to uplift and bring more people in the conversation. I guess that's, like, my point, too, is, like, as much as this is my platform that I've created, like, I've had to actively work to, like, make sure I share that with other people, that, like, I'm bringing in other perspectives, not just my own, and I think there's just not enough of that happening right now, like, people aren't having enough of these, like, very, like, diverse conversations with people from communities that, like, they might not even resonate with, you know what I mean, like, so there needs to be, like, those conversations in order to, like, come up with new ideas, instead of it just being, like, okay, like, yeah, like, climate justice is great, and we need to, like, develop these things, but then I'm just going to pretend, like, I represent the voices of communities I don't even come from, like, that's not, that's not going to be helpful, so I really like what you said, because it's important that, like, it's very calculated if we're going to, like, advocate and tell stories and communicate in a way that's going to, like, be targeted and effective.
0: Yeah, you no, know, it's it's really important and uh, we have to be intentional about it and, and know that coming in. And yeah, I think this is the first uh, first step is kind of understanding that. I guess uh, a question I have is, is, what role do you kind of see, you know, w- especially I feel like between um, some of our two platforms, you know, some of our goals to advocate and educate, but what role do you think um, you see as we are getting more individuals, you know, educated on, Uh, equity and justice issues and climate issues, how do you see that um, helping impact, whether it's climate policy, whether it's individual, local, community um, works and ordinances, how do you see um, more more of this, as these communities get more empowered or more information or more involved, that they will be able to help in the movement as a whole?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, I think it's about like creating more avenues for people to get involved, like, I feel like I've just heard so many people, like especially black indigenous people of color that I know in this field who are like, now that I saw people who look like me and can understand the struggles and like the issues that I go through, like um, I, I think the term is called loose connections. And these are things that like people who come from wealth and white privilege have benefited from for centuries. Like they've had these loose connections, which means like you're not just operating based on you're not just operating based on like, oh, you were born and now you're going through this struggle and you have to hustle and then you get all these opportunities. Like a lot of people who especially have wealth and white, white privilege or racial privilege or economic privilege have been able to get into the positions they're in because they've had loose connections or relationships with people who sought out for their best interests and who wanted to help them achieve their dreams or their goals or their visions That they wanted to develop in life. And so I believe that if there's more people of color in the environmental field who understand this inherently that a lot of other minority groups don't have access to those kinds of networks and resources and can be able to make that more open source, be able to create avenues of opportunity where there's actual like wealth and jobs and mentorship, and you know more distributed forms of power and relationship building I believe that that can really shift the conversation because you're bringing people into the room and not just bringing them in the room you're sustaining that and ensuring that they they they're going to have a role in this space that's going to be able to be sustainable in the long term because you're seeking out you're creating an environment for them to thrive if that makes sense and I think that if there is more of that, like there's more storytellers that specifically come from those communities, or are, you know, able to create those bridges of opportunity, again, because as more of us are in the room and being able to like identify what these power dynamics and systems are, ideally, we'll be able to bring more people into that conversation to realize like they're going to be supported. They're not going to just be the only one. They aren't going to just be isolated. They're going to have people who like have their back and aren't going to let, you know, let them fail or let them fall down. They're going to have mutual aid. They're going to have support in that.
0: Yeah, I think it's important, you know, the the support and actually that they're able to to work through. And yeah, I think uh, as we work and we're trying to move forward and actually have truly community, uh, community engaged involvement, stakeholder involvement uh, from all levels, whether it's resource policy making um, or just general implementation. it's really key and yeah, I think one of the uh, one of the things I've been uh, talking to some folks on is like since a lot of these spaces you know aren't as diverse as they could be, um, it's kind of hard with some of the education because you know as you're coming into these various different community spaces, some of the people that are coming in might not have, as much of a connection or a context, yeah. and uh, it just makes it. It just adds to the difficulties of Literally, it. Literally,
1: like it cut. Like there's so many systemic barriers within the environmental field, which is ironic. Because like we're talking about climate justice and dealing with climate change, and we can't even like. By we, I mean these organizations and companies can't even introspect and realize, hey, maybe I'm a part of the problem. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's tough. No. <laughs> But yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, one of my things I said, you know, one lenses on this is health. And I guess uh, kind of want to know is through your work, have you ran across or, or you know, I guess seen um, like how have you seen kind of basically the adverse impacts of, of fossil fuels, environmental, environmental pollution on health? And kind of what are some of your hopes kind of as we uh,
1: yeah.
0: as, as we're shifting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd really love people to look into like the organization Livable Arlington in Arlington, Texas. They're like a great case study of a community that's trying to fight against, um, you know, fracking in their community because they're seeing, you know, their children getting asthma, getting respiratory ailments, getting nosebleeds. You know, that's just one case study. We see people living in Cancer Alley in the South who are exposed to so many different Um, chemical power plants not just fossil fuels but so many different like polluting industries Um, and yeah I mean there's so many case studies across the country but I would start with those two if people want initial research about communities that are facing adverse health impacts and because I'm sure you talk about the talk about this in your program that like your zip code determines your life expectancy these days and a big part of that is Communities having to be located near polluting facilities. And there's very little to no regulation of those facilities um, releasing unregulated chemicals into the air and then claiming that it's safe. And a lot of these community members actually working for some of these industries. And it gets so much more complicated where it's not just, oh, a villain hero story. It's actually this company or this facility is actually the economic. Backbone of some of these communities. And so that's when it gets more complicated, where the community is blamed when they shouldn't be for being put in a position to have to basically risk their life expectancy in order to make a paycheck. It's, it shouldn't be, people shouldn't have to be forced into those kinds of decisions if we really want to build an equitable society. And I would just say that, like, in terms of hope, like, I would say that there's so many environmental justice groups across the country today that are fighting against pipelines, fighting against like all these different like fracking rigs, fighting against new projects being proposed. Um, I would recommend people look into the fight against the line three pipeline and line five. If you also don't know about those fights and try to get involved. And I would just say that like we need to keep educating people about the misinformation that like fossil fuels are here to stay when in fact they need to go immediately and they're not helping anyone, especially our communities, even if they are currently providing, you know, that economic stability. In the long term, it's going to be economic instability for a lot of these communities that are going to just be extracted, polluted, and left behind as the climate crisis continues to ensue.
0: Yeah, I think it was great, honestly, hearing about some of the, the work that some of these groups have done in those spaces. And as, yeah, it is, it is tough with this whole, like you said, your zip code determining kind of your health impacts. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous and shouldn't, it shouldn't be based on where you live. It's based on whether you are guaranteed access to clean air, clean water. And it sucks that, you know, Historically, whether it's through redlining or other policies, and citing that all many communities, especially communities of color and especially communities that are lower income, have been basically given, you know, I wouldn't say a death sentence, but definitely a shorter life sentence based on the proximity to all of these. And yeah, it is key to kind of as we work to streamline and remove remove as much fossil fuels and the most harmful pollutants from it. And I, I think that is point that we have to change the narrative and the communication that uh, they're here to stay. One thing kind of as we start getting ready to wrap up with this conversation, what are either A, what are some of the things that individuals themselves can do to kind of work on these on these areas in their own local communities or, uh, or nationally? What are you planning to do moving forward? Kind of what's your goals, hopes? as you're working on your own work and kind of what would be your vision uh, for the future in terms of how what would be like an ideal um, you know world uh, like a a place that actually is sustainable and equitable
1: yeah I would just say people should look up local environmental justice fights in their area Um, I would check out native lands um, to learn about the indigenous land that you occupy and again try to research and understand like what the efforts are to like support and protect um, indigenous peoples in your area. Um, I would also say that currently, um, currently there is the fight for the Build Back Better plan happening in Congress right now, it's all over the news. Um, there's a lot of leaders that have been bought out by the fossil fuel industry who don't care about the interests of the public. but at the same time we need a lot of people lobbying in key states um, by calling your representative and your congress member to support the build back better act basically what that has to do with climate change is it's basically the bare minimum climate policy to ensure that we start moving away from fossil fuels and investing in renewable energy um and also improving energy efficiency especially in low income um, and minority community households and Lastly, um, the goal is to like build a green jobs pipeline or like basically be able to actually create more like unionized uh, renewable energy jobs, basically to build that infrastructure across America. And it's a really significant investment by the federal government that's never been done before on this front. Um, Mostly a lot of renewable energy in this country has been funded and fueled by the private sector. And so I'd really love if people could actually research the Build Back Better plan and like make moves. And um, I can actually say the phone number that people can call just to like text and like get involved. Um, so text ACT ACT to 434 8464 And that'll basically help you connect to your representative to tell them, you know, you're worried about climate change. Um, to just at least put your voice out there and to let them know that they should really pass this act because young people, um, their constituents are gonna be watching them on that decision.
0: No, I appreciate that. I appreciate the tangible actions because it's it's important for people to kind of understand that this, this is ongoing. I mean, it, uh, a lot of times when people think of the climate crisis, it's um, I mean, there's a lot of gloom and doom, whether it's you know sea level rise or warming temperatures or these intense hurricanes that are hitting or agriculture, but it's important to know that we still are in this fight and in this, and we can move forward. So I appreciate um, a lot of the ongoing work and some of the stuff that individuals can do right now uh, moving forward. But with that, that's kind of all the questions I have. Any other uh, thoughts you'd like to share or?
1: Um, Just if people are looking for, you know, a more personal community to talk about these things, um, would love for people to either join the Brown Girl Green newsletter it's bit.ly slash brown girl news um or you can join the brown girl green community which is bit.ly slash bgg community and it's a more private community off of social media um but if you just want to check out the things i post you can check me out brown girl green on social media too Uh,
0: christy it was great meeting you and uh i really enjoyed our, our conversation and you said uh to be realistic, hopefully to future probably connect again and kind of see, see how your work's going and just based on some of these uh, these important topics that we're both working to uh, fight for.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for your work too. And I'm excited to learn more about your research over time too.
0: All right. Sounds great. So yeah, thanks again. And yeah, see you later. And uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening today. And yeah, looking forward and you can check out more content as we uh, go through and as I try to interview individuals as we look at the interconnections of race, health, education, <laughs> and climate.